Chapters four and five of Gretchen by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter four. Getting accustomed to it. In the absence of Mrs. Crawford, who for a week or more had been domesticated in the cottage which Arthur had given her, there was no one to receive the strangers except the cook and the housemaid, and as Mrs. Tracy entered the hall the two came forward, bristling with criticism, and ready to resent anything like interference in the newcomers. The servants at the park had not been pleased with the change of administration. That Mr. Arthur was a gentleman whom it was an honour to serve, they all conceded but with regard to the new master and mistress they had grave doubts although none of them had been at the park on the occasion of mrs tracy's first visit there many rumours concerning her had reached them and she would scarcely have recognised herself could she have heard the remarks of which she was the subject that she had worked in a factory which was true was her least offence for it was whispered that once when the winter was unusually severe and work scarce she had gone to a soup-house and even asked and procured coal from the poor master for herself and her mother this was not true and would have argued nothing against her as a woman if it had been but the cook and the housemaid believed it and passed sundry jokes together while preparing to meet the pauper as they designated her in this state of things their welcome could not be very cordial but mrs tracy was too tired and too much excited to observe their demeanour particularly they were civil and the house was in perfect order and so much larger and handsomer than she had thought it to be that she felt bewildered and embarrassed and said yes'm and no ma'am to martha and told sarah who was waiting at dinner that she might as well sit down in a chair as to stand all the time she presumed she was tired with so many extra steps to take but sarah knew her business and persisted in standing and inflicting upon the poor woman as much ceremony as possible and then in the kitchen she repeated to the cook and the coachman with sundry embellishments of her own the particulars of the dinner amid peals of laughter at the expense of the would-be lady it was hardly possible that mistress and maids would stay together long especially as mrs tracy when a little more assured and a little less in awe of her servants began to show a disposition to know by personal observation what was going on in the kitchen and to hint broadly that there was too much waste here and expenditure there and quite too much company at all hours of the day she didn't propose to keep a boarding-house she said or to support families outside and the old woman who came so often to the basement door with a big basket under her cloak must discontinue her calls then there occurred one of those hibernian cyclones which sweep everything before them and which in this instance swept mrs tracy out of the kitchen for the time being and the cook out of the house her self-respect she said would not allow her to stay with a woman who knew just how much coal was burned how much butter was used and how much bread was thrown away and who objected to giving a bite now and then to a poor old woman who poor as she was had never yet been helped by the poor master or gone to a soup-house like my lady martha's departure was followed by that of sarah and then mrs tracy was alone and for a few days enjoyed herself immensely cooking her own dinner and eating it when and where she liked in the kitchen mostly as that kept the flies from the dining-room and saved her many steps for dolly was beginning to find that there was a vast difference between keeping a house with six rooms and one with thirty or more her husband urged her to try a new servant saying there was no necessity for her to make a slave of herself but she refused to listen economy was a part of her nature and besides that she meant to show them that she was perfectly independent of the whole tribe the tribe and them referring to the hired girls alone for she knew no one else in town 
no one had called and a bow from mrs atherton whom she had seen at church was all the recognition she had received from her neighbours up to the hot july morning a week or more after the housemaid's departure when she was busy in the kitchen canning black raspberries of which the garden was full like many housekeepers who do their own work dolly was not very particular with regard to her dress in the morning and on this occasion her hair was drawn from her rather high forehead and twisted into a hard knot at the back of her head her calico dress hung straight down for she was minus hoops which in those days were very large her sleeves were rolled above her elbows and as a protection against the juice of the berries she wore an apron made of sacking in this garb and with no thought of being interrupted she kept on with her work until the last kettle of fruit was boiling and bubbling on the stove and she was just glancing at the clock to see if it were time to put over the peas for dinner when there came a quick decisive ring at the front door who can that be she said to herself as she wiped her hands upon her apron some peddler i dare say why couldn't he come round to the kitchen door i'd like to know she had been frequently troubled with peddlers and feeling certain that this was one she started for the door in no very amiable frame of mind for peddlers were her abomination something ailed the key which resisted all her efforts to turn it and at last putting her mouth to the keyhole she called out rather sharply go to the back door i can't open this then as she caught a whiff of burnt syrup she hurried to the kitchen where she found that her berries had boiled over and were hissing and sputtering on the hot stove raising a cloud of smoke so dense that she did not see the person who stood on the threshold of the door until a voice wholly unlike that of any peddler said to her good morning mrs tracy i hope i am not intruding then she turned and to her horror and surprise saw grace atherton attired in the coolest and daintiest of morning costumes with a jaunty french bonnet set coquettishly upon her head and a silver card-case in her hand for the moment dolly's wits forsook her and she stood looking at her visitor who perfectly at her ease advanced into the room and said i hope you will excuse me mrs tracy for this morning call i came but she did not finish her sentence for by this time dolly had recovered herself a little and throwing off her apron said nervously not at all not at all i supposed you were some peddler or agent when i sent you to this door they are the plague of my life and think i'll buy everything and give to everything because arthur did i am doing my own work you see come into the parlour and she led the way into the dark drawing-room where the chairs and sofas were shrouded in white linen and looked like so many ghosts in the dim uncertain light but dolly opened one of the windows and pushing back the blinds let in a flood of sunshine so strong and bright that she at once closed the shutters saying apologetically that she did not believe in fading the carpets if they were not her own then she sat down upon an ottoman and faced her visitor who was regarding her with a mixture of amusement and wonder grace atherton was an aristocrat to her very finger-tips and shrank from contact with anything vulgar and unsightly and to her mind mrs tracy represented both and seemed sadly out of place in that handsome room with her sleeves rolled up and the berry stains on her hands and face grace knew nothing by actual experience of canning berries or aprons made of sacking or of bare arms except it were of an evening when they showed white and fair against her satin gown with bands of gold and precious stones upon them and she felt that there was an immeasurable distance between herself and this woman whom she had come to see partly on business and partly because she thought she must call upon her for the sake of arthur tracy who was one of her friends 
her cook who had been with her seven years had gone to attend a sick mother and had recommended as a fit person to take her place the woman who had just left tracy park i do not like to take a servant without first knowing something of her from her last employer she said and if you don't mind i should like to ask if martha left you for anything very bad mrs tracy coloured scarlet and for a moment was silent she could not tell that fine lady in the white muslin dress with seas of lace and embroidery that martha had called her second classy and stingy and snooping and mean because she objected to the amount of coal burned and bread thrown away and time consumed at the table all this she felt would scarcely interest a person like mrs atherton who might sympathize with martha more than with herself so she finally said martha was saucy to me and on the whole it was better for them all to go and so i am doing my own work doing your own work and grace gave a little cry of surprise while her shoulders shrugged meaningly and made mrs tracy almost as angry as she had been with martha when she called her mean and stingy it cannot be possible that you cook and wash and iron and do everything mrs atherton continued my dear mrs tracy you can never stand it in a house like this and mr arthur would not like it why he kept as many as six servants and sometimes more pray let me advise you and commend you to a good girl who lived with me three years and can do everything from dressing my hair to making blancmange i only parted with her because she was sick and now that she is well her place is filled try her and do not make a servant of yourself it is not fitting that you should grace was fond of giving advice and had said more than she intended saying when she began but mrs tracy though annoyed was not angry and consented to receive the girl who had lived at briar hill three years before and who she reflected could be of use to her in many ways while sitting there in her soiled working dress talking to mrs atherton she had felt her inferiority more keenly than she had ever done before while at the same time she was conscious that a new set of ideas and thoughts had taken possession of her reawaking in her the germ of that ambition to be somebody which she had felt so often when a girl and which now was to bud and blossom and bear fruit a hundredfold she would take the girl and from her learn the ways of the world as practised at briar hill she would no longer wear sagging aprons and open the door herself she would be more like grace atherton whom she watched admiringly as she went down the walk to the handsome carriage waiting for her with driver and footman in tall hats and long coats on the box this was the beginning of the fine lady into which dolly finally blossomed and when that day frank went home to his dinner he noticed something in her manner which he could not understand until she told him of mrs atherton's call and the plight in which the lady had found her served you right frank said laughing till the tears ran you have no business to be digging around like a slave when we are able to have what we like arthur said we were to keep up the place as he had done and that does not mean that you should be a scullion no dolly have all the girls you want and hold up your head with the best of them get a new silk gown and return mrs atherton's call at once and take a card and turn down one corner or the other i don't know which but this girl of hers can tell you pump her dry as a powder horn find out what the quality do and then do it and don't bother about the expense i'm going in for a good time and don't mean to work either i told colvin this morning that i thought i ought to draw a salary of about four thousand a year besides our living expenses and though he looked at me pretty sharp over his spectacles he said nothing arthur is worth a million if he is worth a cent 
so go it dolly while you are young and in the exuberance of his joy frank kissed his wife on both cheeks and then hurried back to his office that day they had dined in the kitchen with a leaf of the table turned up as they had done in langley but the next day they had dinner in the dining-room and were waited upon by the new girl as well as it was possible for her to do with her mistress's interference never mind mr tracy's in a hurry give him his pie at once she said as susan was about to clear the table preparatory to the dessert but she repented the speech when she saw the look of surprise which the girl gave her and which expressed more than words could have done better let her run herself frank said when susan had left the room if she wants to take every darn thing off the table and tip it over to boot let her do it if she has lived three years with mrs atherton she knows what is what better than we do but it takes so long and i have so much to see in this great house dolly objected and her husband replied get another girl then three of them if you like what matter how many girls we have so long as arthur pays for them and he is bound to do that he said so in his letter you are altogether too economical i've told you so a hundred times and now there is no need of saving i want to see you a lady in silks and satins like mrs atherton pump that girl i tell you and find out what ladies do this was frank's advice to his wife and as far as in her lay she acted upon it and whatever susan told her was done by mrs atherton at briar hill she tried to do at tracy park except staying out of the kitchen that from her nature she could not do consequently she was constantly changing cooks and frequently took the helm herself to the great disgust of her husband who managed at last to imbue her with his own idea of things in course of time most of the neighbours who had any claim to society called and among them mrs crawford but mrs tracy had then reached a point from which she looked down upon one who had been housekeeper where she was now mistress and whose daughter's good name was under a cloud as there were some who did not believe that harold hastings had ever made amy his wife when told that mrs crawford had asked for her mrs tracy sent word that she was engaged and that if mrs crawford pleased she would give her errand to the girl i have no errand i came to call was mrs crawford's reply and she never crossed the threshold of her old home again until the march winds were blowing and there was a little boy at the park at the last moment the expected nurse had fallen sick and in his perplexity mr tracy went to the cottage in the lane and begged mrs crawford to come and care for his wife mrs crawford was very proud but she was poor too and as the price per week which frank offered her was four times as much as she could earn by sewing she consented at last and went as nurse to the sick woman and the baby tom on whose little red face she imprinted many a kiss for the sake of her daughter who was still abroad and over whom the shadow of hope and fear was hanging dolly tracy's growth after it fairly commenced had been very rapid and when mrs crawford went to her as nurse she had three servants in her employ besides the coachman and was imitating mrs atherton to the best of her ability and when early in the following summer they received the wedding cards of edith hastings the young lady from collingwood who had married a mr st clair she felt that her position was assured and from that time her progress was onward and upward until the october morning ten years later when our story proper opens and we see her standing upon the piazza of her handsome house with every sign of wealth and luxury about her person from the silken robe to the jewels upon her hands which once had canned berries in her kitchen where she received grace atherton with her sleeves above her elbows 
there were five servants in the house now and they ran over and against each other and quarrelled and gossiped and worried her life nearly out of her until she sometimes wished she could send them away and do the work herself but she was far too great a lady for that she was thoroughly up in etiquette and did not need susan to tell her what to do she knew all about visiting cards and dinner cards and cards of acceptance and regret and condolence and she read much oftener than she did her bible a book entitled habits of good society three children played in the nursery now tom and jack and maud and she strove with all her might to instil into their infant minds that they were the tracys of tracy park and entitled to due respect from their inferiors and tom had profited by her teaching and was the veriest little braggart in shannondale boasting of his father's house and his father's money without a word of the uncle arthur wandering no one knew where or cared particularly for that matter arthur had never been home since the day he quitted it to look after amy crawford now lying in the graveyard of shannondale under the shadow of the tall monument which his money had bought at first he had written frequently to mrs crawford and occasionally to his brother and his agent mr colvin then his letters came very irregularly and in one he told them not to feel anxious if they did not hear from him for a long time as in case of his death he had arranged to have the news communicated to them at once after this letter nothing had been heard from him until the morning when his telegram came and so greatly disturbed the mental equilibrium of both mr and mrs frank tracy chapter five at the park frank had at first grown faster than his wife and the change in his manner had been more perceptible for with all her foolishness dolly had a keener sense of right and wrong and justice than her husband she had opposed him stoutly when he raised his own salary from four thousand to six thousand a year on the plea that his services were worth it and that two thousand more or less was nothing to arthur and when he was a candidate for the legislature she had protested against his inviting to the house and giving beer and cider to the men whose votes he wanted and for whom as men he did not care a farthing but when he came up for congress she forgot all her scruples and was as anxious as himself to please those who could help him secure the nomination and afterward the election it was she who had proposed the party to which nearly everybody was to be invited from old peterkin and widow shipley to mr and mrs st clair from grassy spring squire harrington from collingwood and grace atherton from briar hill very few who could in any way help frank to a seat in congress were omitted from the list whether republican or democrat for frank was popular with both parties and expected help from both over three hundred cards had been issued for the party which was the absorbing topic of conversation in the town and which brought white kids and white muslins into great requisition while swallow-tails and non-swallow-tails were discussed in the privacy of households and discarded or decided upon according to the length of the masculine purse or the strength of the masculine resistance for dress-coats were not then the rule in shannondale old peterkin however whom frank in his soliloquy had designated a canal bummer was resolved to show that he knew what was au fait for the occasion and a new suit throughout was in progress of making for him tracy should have his vote and that of fifty more of the boys to pay for his ticket to the doin's he said and this speech which was reported to mrs tracy reconciled her to the prospect of receiving as a guest the coarsest roughest man in town whose only recommendation was his money and the brute influence he exercised over a certain class 
dolly had scarcely slept for excitement since the party had been decided upon and everything seemed to be moving on very smoothly until the morning of the day appointed for the party when it seemed as if every evil came at once first the coloured boy who was to wait in the upper hall was attacked with measles then grace atherton drove round to say that it would be impossible for her to be present as she had received news from new york which made it necessary for her to go there by the next train she was exceedingly sorry she said and for once in her life grace was sincere she was anxious to attend the party for as she said to edith st clair in confidence she wanted to see old peterkin in his swallow-tail and white vest with a shirt-front as big as a platter there was a great deal of sarcasm and ridicule in grace atherton's nature but at heart she was kind and meant to be just and after a fashion really liked mrs tracy to whom she had been of service in various ways helping her to fill her new position more gracefully than she could otherwise have done and enlightening her without seeming to do so on many points which puzzled her sorely on the whole they were good friends and after expressing her regret that she could not be present in the evening grace stood a few moments chatting familiarly and offering to send over flowers from her greenhouse and her own maid to arrange mrs tracy's hair and assist her in dressing then she took her leave and it was her carriage which mrs tracy was watching as it went down the avenue when little harold hastings appeared around the corner of the house and coming up the steps took off his cap respectfully as he said grandma sends you her compliments and is very sorry that she has rheumatism this morning and can't come to-night to help you she thinks perhaps you can get mrs mosher your grandmother can't come when i depended so much upon her and she thinks i can get mrs mosher that termagant who would raise a mutiny in the kitchen in an hour mrs tracy said so sharply that a flush mounted to the handsome face of the boy who felt as if he were in some way a culprit in being reprimanded she must come if she does nothing but sit in the kitchen and keep order was mrs tracy's next remark she can't harold replied her foot and ankle is all swelled and aches so she almost cries she is awful sorry and so am i for i was coming with her to see the show this put a new idea in mrs tracy's mind and she said to the boy how would you like to come anyway and stay in the upper hall and tell the people where to go the boy i engaged has disappointed me you are rather small for the place but i guess you'll do and i will give you fifty cents i'd like it first-rate harold said his face brightening at the thought of earning fifty cents and seeing the show at the same time half dollars were not very plentiful with harold and he was trying to save enough to buy his grandmother a pair of spectacles for he had heard her say that she could not thread her needle as readily as she once did and must have glasses as soon as she had the money to spare harold had seen a pair at the drug store for one dollar and without knowing at all whether they would fit his grandmother's eyes or not had asked the druggist to keep them until he had the required amount fifty cents would just make it and he promised at once that he would come but in an instant there fell a shadow upon his face as he thought of tom his tormentor who worried him so much what is it mrs tracy asked as she detected in him a disposition to reconsider will tom be up in the hall harold asked of course not mrs tracy replied he will be in the parlors until ten o'clock and then he will go to bed why do you ask because harold answered fearlessly if he was to be there i could not come he chaffs me so and twits me with being poor and living in a house his uncle gave us that is very naughty in him and i will see that he behaves better in future 
mrs tracy said rather amused than otherwise at the boy's frankness as the mention of the uncle reminded harold of the telegram he took it from his pocket and handed it to her mr tracy said i was to bring you this it's from mr arthur and he is coming to-night i'm so glad and grandma will be too if mrs tracy heard the last of harold's speech she did not heed it for she had caught the words that arthur was coming that night and for a moment she felt giddy and faint and her hand shook so she could scarcely open the telegram arthur had been gone so long and left them in undisputed possession of the park that she had come to feel as if it belonged to them by right and she had grown so accustomed to a life of ease and luxury that to give it up now and go back to langley seemed impossible to her it never occurred to dolly that they might possibly remain at the park if arthur did come home she felt sure they could not for arthur would hardly approve of his brother's stewardship when he came to realize how much it had cost him they would have to leave and this party she was giving would be her first and last at tracy park how she wished she had never thought of it or having thought of it that she had omitted from the list those who she knew would be obnoxious to the foreign brother and who had only been invited for the sake of their political influence which might now be useless for frank tracy as a nobody with very little money to spend would not run as well even in his own party as frank tracy of tracy park with thousands at his command if he chose to take them it is too bad and i wish we could give up the party she said aloud forgetting that harold was still standing there you here yet i thought you had gone she continued as she recovered herself and met the boy's wondering eyes yes'm but you ain't going to give the party up he said afraid of losing his half dollar of course not how can i with all the people invited she asked questioningly and a little less sharply i don't know unless i get a pony and go round and tell em not to come harold suggested thinking he might earn his fifty cents as easily that way as any other but much as mrs tracy wished the party had never been thought of she could not now abandon it and declining the services of harold and the pony she again bade him go home with a charge that he should be on time in the evening adding as she surveyed him critically if you have no clothes suitable you can wear some of tom's you are about his size thank you i have my meat and clothes and do not want tom's was harold's reply as he walked away thinking he would go in rags before he would wear anything which belonged to his enemy tom tracy the rest of the morning was passed by mrs frank in a most unhappy frame of mind and she was glad when at an hour earlier than she had reason to expect him her husband came home well dolly he said the moment they were alone this is awfully unlucky the whole business if arthur must come home why couldn't he have written in advance and not take us by surprise looks as if he meant to spring a trap on us don't it and if he does by jove he has caught us nicely it will be somewhat like the prodigal son who heard the sound of music and dancing only i don't suppose arthur has spent his substance in riotous living with not over-nice people but there is no telling what he has been up to all these years that he has not written to us perhaps he is married he said in his telegram send to meet us what does that mean if not a wife a wife oh frank and with a great gasp dolly sank down upon the lounge chair near where she was standing and actually went into the hysterics her husband had prophesied in reading the telegram she had not noticed the little monosyllable us which was now affecting her so powerfully 
of course it meant a wife and possibly children and her day was surely over at tracy park it was in vain that her husband tried to comfort her saying that they knew nothing positively except that arthur was coming home and somebody was coming with him it might be a friend or what was more likely it might be a valet and at all events he was not going to cross fox river till he reached it when he might find a bridge across it but frank's reasoning did not console his wife whose hysterical fit was succeeded by a racking headache which by night was almost unbearable strong coffee aconite brandy and belladonna were all tried without effect nothing helped her until she commenced her toilet when in the excitement of dressing she partly forgot her disquietude and the pain in her head grew less still she was conscious of a feeling of wretchedness and regret as she sat in her handsome boudoir and felt that on the morrow another might be mistress where she had reigned so long it was known in the house that arthur was expected and some one with him but no hint had been given of a wife and mrs tracy had ordered separate rooms prepared for the strangers who were to arrive on the half-past ten train how she should manage to keep up and appear natural until that time she did not know and her face and eyes wore an anxious frightened look which all her finery could not hide and still she was really very handsome and striking in her dress of peach-blow satin and lace when at last she descended to the drawing-room and stood waiting for the first ring which would open the party End of chapters four and five